Well, aloha, and welcome to this week's Ageless Wisdom Mystery School, live from Maui, Hawaii. My name is Michael Benner. Today is the 1st of August, 2010, and our Mystery School class today is going to be about justice. I don't suppose this is going to be a very easy uh, program for me to do, because like well, like any number of programs, there are those that are more emotional or spiritually based, at least for me. And I have, it seems, in those cases, less access to my mind, to my reasoning, to my my logic, and um, uh, not my memory, of course, but we all know those situations, you know those times when it's difficult to find the right words. And I don't have any intention to talk about justice as a lawyer would. There's a few points I want to make that are going to sound like a panel of lawyers sat down and and figured it out. But concepts of justice go back to the very earliest writings. The ancient Greeks were very interested in justice and represented in mythology the the justici image of of fairness and um, a certain morality or ethic that seems to go with justice. So I'm going to speak to you from my heart more than my head today and see if together we can awaken and stimulate um, a, a, a passion that I think is a quality of love and the quality of soul and spirit and, and lives in the heart. And uh, and that's technically what I mean <laughs> by justice. I don't know how technical that is. That's, that's my sense of justice. Um, I think that uh, a good place for me to begin is with my own realization in time over the years that my concern for civil rights, um, human rights, and that includes hunger and extreme poverty, and also my objection to war as just a kind of insanity I can scarcely believe even happens. Um, I've come to understand that I'm not motivated by anything political. And that I and we, I think, have been educated, uh, trained, enculturated, like Pavlov's dog, to think of war as just this necessary thing that governments do. And governments represent people, and people are violent, and there will always be war, and there, because there will always be violence, and so we might as well be efficient about it. Without realizing that there are many motives for war that go beyond simply self-defense. You know, we're currently fighting a 10-year war, more deadly now than it was at any time in the 10 years in Afghanistan, which could not be farther away from the United States. Now, it's a shrinking globe, I understand that. 
and uh, we're becoming globalized. But nevertheless, uh, when I grew up, the the term Afghanistanism was used by people who thought that it was a great way to refer to the the State Department's tendency to involve itself in the affairs of nations that were just so far away that it's ridiculous. In the 50s and 60s, Afghanistanism meant, hey, put your attention on the countries we're doing business with here, your main trading partners in the, in the world. And uh, so I think war is an injustice. I think poverty, extreme poverty, hunger is an injustice. I think a lack of available housing is an injustice. I think joblessness, can't find a gig, um, is injustice. And um, yeah, just because it's framed for us in a political sense doesn't need doesn't mean that we need to limit ourselves to political solutions, you see. We can think outside the box. And for me, to take justice from this kind of um, legal concept down into your heart and feel how injustice feels in your heart, you'll understand better, I'd suggest, why you may have similar feelings to mine in these areas. That your concern uh, about these injustices that I've named and, and others, I haven't even talked about the treatment of animals or suppression of women or children's rights. I mean, you don't have to look very far to find gross, uh, intolerable injustices, and yet they are tolerated. Again, I think because they're part of the whole political world view. But maybe the solution begins with a whole new world view in the sense that justice lives in my heart. I feel it there. It's much more than an emotion. It's not a simple emotion. It's a quality of spiritual love. That wherever in the world there's an injustice, I hurt. Right? As I as I said in the newsletter this week, it feels to me like injustice is a broken heart that everybody experiences, or a lot of people experience. <laughs> I don't want to get off on the track about why those that don't sense this uh, longing for justice or who are not vulnerable to feeling the hurt of injustice, uh, I'm not sure what cuts them off or why we're so willing to look the other way other than just to resort to the common reason for all problems, which is fear right, and ignorance and and the horrible, vicious cycle, the dance that fear and ignorance do, each feeding the other. Fear confusing us, and that ignorance feeling pretty scary, and so we become more confused and more frightened, and around and around that dance goes. Maybe that's why 
injustices are tolerated. People don't know what to do. Uh, what to do, I'm suggesting here, is to begin to think outside the box. Stop looking for, or maybe maybe it's not a matter of stop looking for, but, but um, go outside of, uh, besides looking in a geopolitical sense or in a political science sense at, at the injustices of the world, shift your attention to uh, a social and even a spiritual perspective, a more elevated overview of what humanity is willing to do to itself. And what we can do using mass media and the Internet now, I mean, think of it, computers are extensions of our brains which are now all plugged into the Internet. We can do whatever we want with this information with your emails and your blogs and webinars like this one. Uh, I have a video conference now on Thursday nights. Uh, check the newsletter for that. Uh, we have our own social net like Facebook for people who are interested in making a significant contribution to changing the world, dedicating your life really to correcting and fighting against injustice, and not in your spare time, but as a matter of identity. You see, that's who I am. That's what I do. Sorry, <laughs> I can't help myself. Right? I'm I'm obsessed. Uh, somebody said something to me about well, I can't make any it was some financial. Uh, endeavor and it was well I can't make any promises Michael so I don't want you to go to a whole lot of work in this area and I said well you know <laughs> don't worry about it because I'm obsessed it's love as consciousness and the value of meditation and contemplation to create a state of mindfulness is an obsession for me as a journalist for 40 years. This is the story at the head of all the others. This is the one that finally makes sense to me after doing so many years of news and saying this is just an effect of something bigger. No, this is just an effect of something bigger. No, this is not simply what it appears to be. There's something bigger going on. And yeah, it's the we're just becoming more and more and more conscious, little by little. The, um, the political spectrum, by and large, there is a conservative, liberal tension that is healthy, uh, a polarity between the appropriateness and the size of government. That debate, that discussion is healthy. But laid over the top of that are layers and layers of so-called politics and even layers of social science and like anthropology that can reveal the move is always going to be from the right to the left, from the conservative to the progressive. The progressives are making progress. Better said, progress, growth, natural evolution, of a species that's going to be 
change, right? But not just lateral change, growth and improvement. Those generate progressive ideas that we see in politics, but doesn't mean it's driven by politics. It's driven by the vision of a better world, the passion of a better world. That's the way in which I want to talk about justice today, as, again, much more than just a political mindset, but part of your emotional intelligence and understanding yourself better by better understanding why you feel the way you do about justice and, and injustices. Now, I've named a few that, I guess, some of the big ones here. I wanted to uh, tell you I did a little research this morning, and I think part of my due diligence is first to admit again that I'm not an attorney and I never took a law course in my life. So uh, I don't tend to have no intention of speaking about justice and injustice in those terms, other than to take a look at what they had to say about the most basic outline. And that's what I've done, and, and that's what I thought I'd share with you. This comes from uh, changingminds.org. Hold on a sec here. And they talk about the four types of justice, I've seen other models in jumping around this morning on Google uh, of uh, three types of justice, but here's those three plus one more. And this is pretty widely agreed upon. This is, again, a little outside of what I just got done talking about, but I want you to have a, a simple understanding the, the most basic and fundamental understanding of how this is looked at by the legal community, by law, um, not just criminal justice, but there's other kinds of, of justice, fairness. So let me run down this. This is what the great legal minds have decided, that these four basic types of justice are called distributive, procedural, restorative, and retributive, or retributive, okay? Distributive, procedural, restorative, and I have a mental block on that, retributive, all right? And simply, the first, so-called distributive justice, let me say as an aside, we've we've heard a lot about this from the right wing uh, as an allegation against President Obama that he's a socialist, and he's interested in redistributing the wealth because it obviously tends to be collected by fewer and fewer and fewer people. And what is it? Two percent of Americans own seventy percent of the wealth, something like that, outright. Well, distributive justice is also known as economic justice, and it's basically about fairness and what people receive from goods to attention, even. Its uh, uh, roots are in social order 
and it's at the roots of communism, by the way, where equality is a fundamental principle. Um, it's difficult anymore to talk about theoretical communism because people presume that communism can only be administered by a um, dictatorial kind of government. The idea of having a democratic government with a communist philosophy or socialist philosophy and blending governments together. Even different agencies of governments can be run depending on what's more appropriate in uh, a variety of different ways. So anyway, it's at the roots of communism, distributive justice. And if um, it says, again, I'm reading from changingminds.org, if people do not think this thing, there's a typo, that they're getting their fair share of something, their fair share of something, they will seek first to gain what they believe they deserve. And then they may, may well also look for other forms of justice. That's the first. And procedural justice is the principle of fairness found in the idea of basically fair play, as opposed to fair share in distributive justice. This would be fair play. Oh, come on, you guys, that's not fair. If people believe that a fair process was used in deciding what it is that can be distributed, then they can perhaps then accept and imbalance in what they, uh, in comparison with what they uh, receive in comparison to others. And restorative justice, the first thing that the betrayed person may seek from the betrayer is some form of retribution, putting things back as they should be. Uh, you'll hear people talk about, in legal terms, being made whole again. And the simplest form of retribution is a straightforward apology. A restoration means putting things back as they were, so it may include some act of contrition to demonstrate that one is truly sorry, and this may include action or even extra payment to the offended party. Uh, I apologize, and here's some money. Restorative justice is also known as corrective justice, okay? And finally, uh, the retributive justice. Uh, restoration may well not be enough for the betrayed person, and they may seek revenge of some sort, uh, whereby they can feel the satisfaction of seeing the other person suffer in the way that they have suffered. Revenge can be many times the most severe or more severe than uh, reparation, as the hurt party seeks to make the other person suffer in return. That's a curious um, psychology, right? Those are the four uh, kinds of justice, uh, four kinds of fairness. Again, about fair share and fair play, and um, then restoring or making whole, and then getting paid back, like. Now you're going to suffer the way I suffered, right? The, the ultimate payback. So I thought that was interesting, and I wanted to share that with you. And then let's see. I don't know if I want to um, 
had a few other things. Oh, here, let me share some of these ideas with you from different wiki sources that I looked at today. One is the idea of justice as harmony. And I mentioned Plato a little while ago. And a harmony, justice as harmony is a concept that he wrote about in the Republic and elsewhere. And this is all what a theosophist would call second ray uh, stuff. <laughs> Second ray being the divine love of God, essentially, the divine love, the passion of the absolute in manifesting its creative force out into the universe. That there are three aspects to divinity, the so-called divine trinity of Father, Son, and Mother, uh, is will for the Father aspect love for the so-called son or middle aspect, the offspring, and um, the earth, of course, for uh, which represents intelligent activity and movement and manifestation, uh, action out into the world, uh, is the mother aspect, mother nature, uh, sometimes often, well, usually, <laughs> by Christians, usually referred to as Holy Spirit, Father, Son, Mother is referred to as Father, Son, Holy Spirit. That Mother aspect, that Holy Spirit, so-called, is the intelligent activity out into the world. So the first ray, the Father aspect, is divine will, but the Son, so-called, the middle, the heart of this trinity, the center of this trinity, is divine love. And harmony is, that's, again, second ray to the theosophist. And Justice is understood uh, to be a quality of love, second rate, as is harmony. And when you experience your life more from feeling than thought, and both are important, but I'm not saying one is better than the other. One may be more appropriate in one situation to another, but we need to access both. Most of us are pretty good mentally at using our will and at being logical and rational. But harmony is where we need the development. In feeling through our emotional nature, harmony with all living things. Um, to experience a sense of peace and safety that says there's nothing threatening here. There are many different and divergent forms here, but there seems to be some harmony, some uh, synergy, like the life support system itself, where its unified strength as an ecosystem comes from the diversity of the life forms within it. And the diversity of those life forms is based on a diversity of genes in their gene pool. Don't you see? And so it is with the universe that its strength is one thing. It comes from its diversity and its multiplicity and its uniqueness and the fact that uh, as I saw in a greeting card once, um, 
I respect that you are unique just like everybody else. And it's sort of a funny little paradox, you know, to know that the one way you're like everybody else is that you're like no one else. Um, Sort of a fun concept to play with. So I did want to mention Justice's Harmony as a emotional approach and then you might say, well, that doesn't sound too spiritual. I thought you said Plato talked about, you know, harmony in a more spiritual sense, as the, as he would say, the soul sharing the ground of God. The harmony with the capital H, love with a capital L, is the ground of God. And the oversoul would understand that. Um, the emotions are the portal to the higher self, lower love, and learning to manage the hurt, all of which is based in fear. Remember, all of your negative emotional hurt is rooted in fear, which means it's always a symptom of something you don't yet know about yourself. Okay, And all of that can be lifted to love and light through simply understanding why you hurt, face your fear. So in this way, emotions are a portal to the spiritual self. You have to go through the valley of the shadow of death. You have to face your fear. You have to redeem not just your lifetime, um, more to the point, uh, every hurt, every heartache, every problem, every poor relationship, every nasty statement made in haste that you wish you could take back. These things need fixing. They need some correction. And that process grows us. So justice is harmony. You can feel then, not only emotionally, but spiritually, the vibes, right, of harmony in justice And you're irritated by, we are irritated by the the feelings that we get in our body of discord and disharmony in the presence of injustice. Um, There are also concepts of justice as some kind of divine command, as if, uh, again, God insists as part of the whole idea of morality, that if there is a God, then God would have to be a moral God, uh, a God that is uh, unconditional in its love, that is basically good, same word, right? God, good, and therefore ethical. And so it's easily argued then that justice, especially like harmony, a quality of divine love, uh, could be seen as a kind of uh, a divine command. The problem is it, it, it also leads to the idea that if you don't behave, then God could punish you for that. And you have these patriarchal images of a father God, now a separated form, living very far away, uh, judging you and... Uh, Here's some retribution. Here's some bad karma. <laughs> Here's some some locusts. Here's some punishment. This is divine justice. Okay. 
Similar to that would be um, justice is natural law. Uh, and that's uh, how do you describe this natural law? Um, let me check these notes I had from this morning. Yeah, this is about John Locke. Remember reading his stuff in school? It's the system of consequences that naturally derives from any action or choice. He's sort of saying, well, that's, you know, just sort of the way it is. Justice is natural. It's like gravity. It's like the in-breath and the out-breath. He says it's similar to the physics. Uh, in the same way, the, uh, the the third law of Newton's motion requires that um, for every action has to be an equal and opposite reaction. Well, then Locke says justice requires... Uh, uh, according to individuals or groups, what they actually deserve or what they merit, what they're entitled to. And so that's just a natural law. There would have to be then an argument that justice is a human creation. It's just understood as an idea that humans made up because it felt good, and, uh, uh, whether they saw it as harmony or divine command or, or natural law. And a um, couple others that I noticed here as I was Googling justice as authoritative command, uh, justice as trickery, uh, justice as mutual agreement, and justice as subordinate value. But it's more than I really care to get into. I thought I'd give you a taste of just some of those to wet your whistle. Again, my argument is simply that it's a feeling in your heart, and that's why a gross injustice just ripples throughout the world. What metaphysicians would call the astral plane. Uh, if you think of, oh, uh, I was talking with a friend recently about the day John Lennon was shot, and how you felt when you heard that that John had been killed, had been murdered, and uh, what that represented in many ways, this death of the flower power movement. And the, because the Beatles came right out of all of the, the Kennedy assassination, we just sort of leapfrogged from the, the low point of Kennedy being killed to um, here come the Beatles. And then you know, when John died, we saw the cycle repeating itself. Or for many people, the death of uh, uh, Princess Diana, Lady Di, as they called her, uh, that ripped through the astral plane as a gross injustice. The O.J. trial. Um, many people of color, they experienced the tsunami on the astral plane in a positive way. It somehow balanced out for them uh, centuries of injustice where white people would get away with killing people of color all the time. And so whether they knew O.J. did it or not didn't much matter. It was just like they had a whole different context, a whole different way of watching that trial than um, 
white folks tended to generalizations, but nevertheless true. But in both cases, the hit was extraordinary. Again, like this emotional tsunami that comes roaring through the astral plane. The argument here, the astral plane is a plane of shared emotional form. And that in addition to your particular feelings and any given day and in any given moment, there is emotional weather in the emotional environment or the astral environment around you. And so hurricanes can come through the astral plane or the emotional plane and affect everybody. Um regardless of how they may be feeling individually. And a nice example, I think, maybe you've heard the allegory, a rising tide lifts all boats. Well, in the same way, if we're on a little lake, and each of us is in our own separate little rowboat, and uh, some guy comes through in this great big cigarette boat, you know, these super fast speed boats, and creates a great wake, from just rudely roaring through the middle of our passive halcyon scene here floating in our little rowboats. Well, that wake is going to affect every other boat on the pond. We'll all rock. We'll rock and roll in different ways in different times. You might be tipping forward as I tip to the left. You see, you might be rising to the right as I fall to the right. Um, we're all rocking in different directions in our, in our own ways, but we're all affected emotionally, is the allegory here, by a disturbance in the force. Okay, to borrow from George Lucas and Joseph Campbell. So, a disturbance in the force. These are not the droids you're looking for. A disturbance in the forest is um, a horrible feeling. And uh, that, that, that's basically my argument of my approach to honoring uh, what I would have to argue is a, a quality of divine love, a quality of consciousness which is the longing for justice, for things to be moral, to be good, to be right. Uh, there's even some evidence that I read about this morning that the animal kingdom, uh, there's many examples of animals having a sense of justice and wanting things to be worked out, even in terms of retribution or a redistribution, if not retribution. Uh, if not getting paid back, I think that's more of a human thing, um, at least to redistribute things and make things fair, some sort of payback. So um, it's something to think about. And Again, whenever you find yourself in discussion with someone, friends or family, uh, especially passionately about the news, Understand that you do not need to be, as most people are, limited by the standard socio-political view of current events as government and politics. You can stand outside of that and say, 
Well, I'm coming from an entirely different place. I'm coming from the psychology and the philosophy of of this situation being unjust. It's a disturbance in the force. It's a disharmony that strikes at the roots of natural law and will lead to our downfall and our undoing in the same way that ignoring harmony in the environment and the ecosystem uh, will eventually lead to our demise. Although these are self-correcting systems, so if you stop messing with them, they get into balance fairly quickly, most anyway. Okay. So with that, let's check your uh, questions and comments here. And let me get back to the right pages. And we'll check uh, both who's on the telephone, see if any hands are raised. If you have a question or a comment and you're on the telephone, press star 2, and that'll show me that you want me to uh, uh, unmute you. I can unmute callers one at a time. That's pretty cool. And... Uh, I've got a bunch of callers. I don't see any hands yet, though. Comments or questions. And let me go to the text side for those who are on the web. And uh, we just have a couple uh, so far. Carol Postel, who's with us every week in sunny La Habra, California. She says, hello, Michael and Doreen. Hi, Carol. Happy August. And uh, Phil in Canoga Park. Um, thanks for the birthday card. <laughs> so I sent him a, uh, a birthday card. I said I forgot. I didn't really forget. I was just out of town. And uh, he says he's 52, so that's good. Um, if that's it, and let me check the telephones again, and I still don't see a hand up, then I'm going to go right to... Um, a visualization exercise and um, a nice meditation exercise. We're running early today, which is good. I, I keep mentioning my concern about running too long, so let's jump into that, and then we'll check on the other side, see if you have a question or comment that uh, has developed during the meditation, perhaps. So. Close your eyes, get comfortable first of all, and then close your eyes, become balanced, centered, begin to feel really relaxed and safe. Put your attention on the bottom of your nose for a few moments. And watch the in-breath and the out-breath. Without judgment, without control, passively detached, witnessing as a point of focus, the body breathing itself, all by itself. 
simply to bring your attention slowly to focus on one thing. In this case, the breath at the very point on the bottom of your nose where it enters and leaves the body. And slowly we find our thoughts going from eight or ten, all demanding our attention simultaneously to maybe three or four thoughts, shouting out, but we're more important. And then you get down to a little dialogue, a little back and forth, just a couple of voices. And as we continue to relax and feel really safe, and often it helps to imagine yourself in a beautiful, safe place, as if there were a paradise around you with trees and flowers and the most beautiful fantasy place of peace and beauty that you can imagine. Allows you to focus your attention down to just a thought or two, maybe an internal dialogue. Kind of a running commentary alongside my voice which guides you. But soon you can release even that and stand receptive, open, even vulnerable, so safe are you that you can let yourself feel vulnerable. You can drop your guard. No one needs to know. You can have it back in a few minutes if you want. You can lower and completely release your defenses. You can have them back later if you feel you need them, but for the next few minutes, you can drop your guard and lower your defenses. And There's nothing in here but you. You can, of course, at any time disagree with anything I say. You were in control of the letting go in your body. You're in control of feeling safe and relaxed. You're in control of whether you say, Yes or no, whether you agree or disagree with anything I suggest. You are choice. Say to yourself, silently and internally, I have choices.
Let that seed thought resonate. Say it just one more time and hear it sustain like a bell rung once. I have choices. My choices are perception and response. I may not be able to choose what's done to me. Rarely do I even have influence, but I I can control my perception and response. Take another slow, deep breath, and as you exhale slowly, relax. Go even deeper, feeling now even safer. I can choose how I look at things, how I frame them, my whole attitude and approach, my point of view. is up to me. I choose the reality I perceive. I perceive the reality I choose. We see the world not so much as it is, but as we are. We see the world as we are. Change your point of view, you change the world. And I can choose my response. I can consciously learn to pay attention, to be awake, to take my time to to pause long enough to substitute an even-tempered, well-reasoned response for a knee-jerk reflex. To substitute for a fear-based, fight-or-flight reaction, a relaxation response, I have choices. And then 
I'd like to suggest that you consider affirming that the choices you make in perception and response are made for the greater good of all concerned, not just the separates of self. Remember to affirm that your intention is to behave, to manifest form from an intention of the greatest good for the greatest number. One for all and all for one. One for the many, the many for the one. As above, so below. As within, so without. Then I'd like to suggest that you say to yourself, And I choose love over fear. And I choose harmony over discord. And I choose justice over injustice. And I choose understanding over ignorance. And in this way, I choose good over evil. I choose love. I choose to return the love in my life with love. I choose to initiate my life with love. I choose likewise to return that which is not love with love and forgiveness and compassion. Or we all become frightened. We all lose track of love from time to time. It can seem to abandon us. Love in its many qualities feels like at times we've been abandoned. It feels like there is no longer any harmony. Things are not fair anymore. Could lead to cynicism and a loss of hope, a belief that things have always been corrupt and therefore always will be corrupt and go to nature, come to this place of perfect peace and see the growth, the unfolding, the aspiration of nature as she reaches toward the light as the plants stretch out as if to know more about their source. 
and know that consciousness grows, human awareness unfolds, and it reaches out. It wants more love, more harmony, more justice. more peace and understanding. Fair play, fair share, to be made whole. Consider that In one very important way, justice is an opportunity for us to do something. Finding injustice and attempting to redeem it, finding discord and working to harmonize it, Lifting anything from fear into the light and the understanding of love is noble. Improves the world and it grows you too. You won't have to look very far, I don't suppose, to find injustice. But whenever you do, Put your heart into it. Just throw some love at it. And consider what actions you can take. Whether it's simply understanding more, learning more about this particular injustice that you never knew about or Maybe you knew about it, but didn't understand it very fully. Commit yourself to studying it, learning more. Then consider educating others that this injustice exists and that it's supported mostly by ignorance, by a lack of understanding, and that simply educating other people, spreading the word, paying it forward, could undermine the injustice and allow nature to be just, where they just fall into place. As you spread the word, simple education and information. And any one of a number of actions after that, even direct action and civil disobedience, if you feel so moved, violating petty laws, call attention to the hypocrisy of greater laws being ignored civil disobedience or direct action always passive always nonviolent for then you <laughs> become the very thing you seek to oppose feel harmony in your heart and you will feel love in your heart feel love and harmony in your heart and you'll experience a longing for things to be just, to be moral and ethical and right and fair.
and it's not just a feeling you have. It's part of who you are. Part of being a person that declares, I have choices. Maybe I can't control what's done to me, but I can choose how I look at it or how I respond. And I'll work for justice. And imagine emanating that feeling out into the world. Like a you know, old fashioned radiator over in the corner there radiates heat in the winter time. Imagine you gently radiating a warmth from your heart center out in all directions, gently emanating, radiating peace, love, harmony, and justice into the world, filling the void. as light extinguishes darkness, as detail casts out shadow, as understanding replaces ignorance. Bring this feeling of gently emanating or radiating harmony, peace, and justice, as love, as consciousness, out into the world, a particular frequency that you carry, bring it with you effortlessly as you reorient yourself, first to the sound of my voice, remembering where you are, feel the cushion supporting you, Recall what you'll see in a moment when you open your eyes. Bring with you effortlessly this wonderful warmth, this emanation of this coherent love and peace, harmony and justice. Take a nice, slow, deep breath. Hold for just a moment, and as you exhale... Uh, now, open your eyes wide awake and alert, refreshed and rested. Back in the room, feeling fine, feeling better than before. Eyes open wide awake. Good. All right, back in the room. Well, I want to thank you uh, again very much for uh, joining us live for the Ageless Wisdom Mystery School this week. Um, I want to remind you that we're um, sponsored by FocusedPassion.com. Um, I also wanted to thank um, a couple other people that said hi during the meditation, Laurel Hatch in Tucson, and uh, also Judith Kraft, who lives in Arcadia. And uh, she was saying, sometimes I feel injustice has been done, and then I have... My work cut out for me to return 
the peace and the harmony. That's it. That's the effort. And uh, it's something, again, we do not only for ourselves, but the beauty is that everything around us benefits when we return to those harmonious frequencies. Things, instead of feeling all scattered and rough-edged, begin to feel beautiful and smooth and warm and safe again. That, that's not just you benefiting. That's the space around you and and part of your contribution to, again, the one life, the one thing. There's just one of us here, after all. So, uh, FocusPassion.com, I wanted to remind you that um, these programs that Steve and I do are premium audio programs. Unlike this, it's studio quality. There's two of us in conversation um, with similar topics to the Ageless Wisdom Mystery School, but you've got two people going back and forth, and often real fascinating stuff comes out of that. We, we surprise ourselves often. And um, each of those programs also includes a guided meditation as well. They're just 99 cents. Uh, at this point, you can buy them individually for 99 cents or subscribe for 99 cents. I'll tell you, the individual price is going to go up soon, and the subscription is going to stay 3.96 a month. I can tell you that much. So, check out the site. Get a free account anyway. Just leave your email address and your name. You get a free account. You get six free programs and a built-in player on your own website. FocusedPassion.com. Remember the ed, w's dot FocusedPassion.com. Thanks for being with us today. As always, be gentle, love life, and take care of each other. This is Michael Benner. Aloha from Maui. <laughs>